All right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, and let's start with a quick prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for agriculture and for fruit that brings us joy and also helps us be healthy. And we just dedicate this time to you and ask that you would help us to remember and learn. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So I want to welcome you all to this class. It's called Rootstocks, Grafting, and Pruning. Let me start with a brief introduction of myself. I planted my first fruit trees, our family planted our first fruit trees in the spring of 2013. And at that point I was a littler guy and it was just a homestead project. We really, I really enjoyed it because it was, you know, I, I enjoyed working our homestead, but it was a new project to me and I quickly became very enthusiastic about it. And I wanted to plant more and more trees. And so since then, I've done a lot of research on fruit trees. And our trees are only four years old. And we're still learning as we go along. But I've been quite enthusiastic about it for the past few years. Let me get a quick, um, let me kind of get what your interests are here. If you're primarily interested in learning what a rootstock is, why don't, why don't you raise your hand? Primarily, or grafting, or pruning, pruning, <laughs> all of it, okay. <laughs> the overview of what we're going to look at, let's, we'll start with the roots of the tree and we'll work up just to give us a paradigm. So I'll start with root stocks and talk a little bit about that. And then I'll talk about the grafting, which is near the ground. So we're working up the tree. Um, and then pruning will be the last thing I talk about. Root stocks. I got a question. Yes. Now, why, um, why is a gardener or a home gardener why be, even be interested in root stocks and grafting? For what purpose? To save money? To uh, what? What purpose is it? Is yeah. would one be interested in grafting or root stock? Why, yeah, why, why, why are you using it in your in your work? For instance, is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that. Why did you just buy the plant already grafted? Okay, let me raise that. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that with the rootstock part of it, it helps you know a little bit more and have a little bit more control over your tree when you know what roots you're growing it on because the different roots out there produce different types of trees. And so if you know what those roots are, you're a little bit more knowledgeable. And also, as far as grafting, when you buy a tree, they've already chosen what they're going to put together, what roots and what top they're going to put together. And I'll get into that a little bit more as I, just, as I talk about the paradigm. But if you know how to graft, you can mix and match what you want rather than just buying what, what yeah, it, it gives you the ability to put, to get, put together your own tree, basically. Do you have one question? Yeah, I'm here to question. A lot of times people have plant trees and top part size and root Mm -hmm. When that happens, yeah, that's a good point. I'll just say it so that people can hear. He was saying sometimes the top will die off a tree. Um, the scion, the part that is not the rootstock, will die, and the roots will regrow. And if you know how to graft, then you can 
those roots are still good because you can graft back onto them. So let me talk about rootstocks a little bit. And these are the three things I want to talk about. Um, one tree, two varieties. You know, let me just go into this here. One tree, two varieties. This is what I really want to um, focus on with rootstocks. When you buy a tree these days, you're actually buying two trees in one. You're buying roots and you're buying a top. So you're buying this tree and this tree, and they're two different trees. They're grafted together right about here. Um, this would be the location it would be grafted. But you're actually buying two different trees. So, you, you know, I would think, you know, starting out orchard, I'd think, well, there's just, this is a red delicious. And yes, the top is red delicious, but the roots are a certain variety too. And so that's, that's the pair, what's that? This is, this is probably, I'm just going to estimate 90% of trees are this way. So rootstock is the underground portion of that tree. You've got two trees grafted together. The rootstock is the underground portion of that tree. And the reason you have rootstock and scion is because you want, it's making the best of both worlds. You have rootstock, which is the best roots that someone can find. For example, an apple tree, um, the rootstock that the apple is grown on is the best roots that someone chose to graft onto. For their specific condition, they decided this is the roots we want to grow on, and they call out the rootstock. And then the top is called the scion. So that's what rootstock is. And I, I, wrote, I wrote generally the same species because the roots need to be I'm speaking generally. Generally, they're the same species as the top of the tree. What I mean by that is that an apple tree won't be grafted onto oak roots. An apple tree will be grafted onto apple roots. So that's what I mean when I say they're generally the same species. The rootstock of a tree will have several effects on how the tree performs. It can affect, well, it can very dramatically affect the size of the tree, depending on which roots you have, your tree may only grow to be eight feet tall or it might grow to be 30 feet tall. Um, the root, the, your choice of rootstock also affects how well your tree anchors in the ground. For example, some roots aren't strong enough to hold the tree upright with a load of fruit, so you have to stake them. But other roots are, can hold the tree up by themselves. It also affects disease resistance and soil adaptability. For those of you who are shopping for rootstocks, you may be shopping for two reasons. You might be shopping because you want to buy rootstock and graft your own tree, or you might be shopping because you want to buy a tree that's already grafted, but you want to know what roots it's, it's grafted on. So you may be looking to buy a tree and know what roots the tree is grafted on, or you may be looking to buy the rootstock and graft your own. There are two different approaches there, but either way it's good to know a little bit about the rootstock. Um, the first bullet there, dwarf, semi-dwarf, and standard, that is a, that is terminology that many nurseries use, and that is referring to the rootstock, largely. They'll say this is a dwarf tree, this is a semi-dwarf tree, and this is a standard tree, and that's referring to size, size of the tree. This is a common approach to rootstocks, um, and it's a good approach for beginners. It just tells them how big the tree is going to get but it does have some limitations. 
The other way to go about it is to actually have choose named rootstock varieties. And when I say named rootstock varieties, um, there are named apple varieties like Red Delicious or Yellow Delicious or Macintosh. And in the same way there are named apple, there are named apple varieties, there are named apple roots. So there are roots that have different names just like there are apples that have different names. And if you know the name of the rootstock, that you're, for example, you buy a tree and they tell you it's growing on M111 rootstock. You can, if you can, if you look up M111 rootstock, you can know how big that tree will grow. You can know what diseases M111 is resistant to, and you can know, and you can shop as you would for fruit variety. So you can, instead of just looking up what apple tr what apple variety do I want, you can say what roots do I want it grown on, and then you can also pick the top of the tree and the bottom of the tree. This slide is gonna be specifically for those of you who want to buy rootstock and graft your own trees. These are some nurseries, you can write down the websites quickly, um, that sell rootstock. They, so they're selling roots of the trees, basically. It's not, um, this is not trees. You would have to buy these roots and graft your own. But if you wanna, Order small quantities. You can look at those first two, um, first two nurseries. If you're looking for larger quantities, which larger quantities would be like 100 rootstocks or more. So most of us probably aren't going to be buying that many. But the lower two nurseries there sell large numbers. Um, and then the other option for there are two more options for growing rootstock besides buying them. One thing that we have done a little bit recently is begin to utilize wild root stock. And this is kind of unique, but it's interesting. For example, there are wild persimmon trees where we live. There are wild plum trees and wild pear trees. And we can actually graft onto these. Yes? I believe you can. I believe you can graft an apple onto a crab apple. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I think you can. Um, so that's another interesting thing you can use, is if you have wild pear trees growing around or wild apple trees, you can either dig them up and graft onto those, or you can leave them in place. If you have a persimmon tree that's fairly well established, you can leave it in place and graft it. And then the fourth thing, the fourth option for getting rootstock is to grow your own rootstock. And this is largely from seeds. You can grow your own rootstock from seeds. If you do that, you won't have you won't have a named variety of rootstock, but seedling rootstock often produces very good trees, so that's a good option as well. And speaking of that, I have these bags up here, and these are persimmon seeds, wild Native American persimmon seeds, and those are for you all to take. There are 12 seeds in each packet, and it might be better for us each to start out get, getting one packet of seeds and then see how, how far they go, just so that as many people as would like them can get them. These persimmons will grow from about here to Indiana or Michigan. So if you live within, within that range, zones five to eight, I believe, then these would be a good option for you. You can take them home, and there's a sheet right here that you'll want to take as well that has instructions for growing your own persimmons from 
I should say your own persimmon rootstock from these seeds. You'll want to graft it later. So that's what I was just mentioning. You can grow your own rootstock from seeds, from cuttings. There are some other ways to do it, but seeds is a is a one good way. Okay, so we've we've looked at rootstocks a little bit. Just to summarize, rootstocks. I'll just summarize that. Rootstocks are basically the other half of a fruit tree. You have the below, below the ground half of a fruit tree, which is a rootstock. Then you have a graft union, and you have the above ground section of the fruit tree. And so grafting is the process that unites those, unites the above ground and below ground sections of the tree. We'll look at the principles and the practice of grafting. These are some of the principles. Grafting is used to produce fruit tree clones. What that means is if you have a red delicious apple and you want to have another red delicious tree, you can't take a red delicious seed and plant it and grow another red delicious. If you do, the genetics, the tree that results will not be a red delicious. It, it might have some of the genes, I believe, from a red delicious, but it won't be a red delicious. It'll, it'll be you don't really know what it'll be. It might produce little hard apples. It may produce something better than a red delicious. But if you want another red delicious tree, that is what grafting is used for. And let me, let me give a brief illustration as to how this, how this plays out. For example, red delicious, um, there was originally one red delicious tree. And this is, I'm just saying in general, fruit, a Macintosh tree, there was originally one Macintosh tree and since then, all the Macintosh trees have been grown from grafting. So there was an, an original Macintosh tree. Someone took cuttings from that, grafted it onto more rootstocks. Um, those ones grew. People took cuttings from those. So technically, all the red delicious trees in the world have been taken from cuttings, are, have been taken from cuttings of an original red delicious tree. I don't know if I'm tracking well, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is there was an original tree, people took cuttings from that, took cuttings from those, and all the orchards in the world are planted from that one tree. It almost sounds like hybrid and heirloom there, because when you plant heirloom seeds, you know what you're going to get when you plant hybrid seeds. Mm -hmm. get. Yeah. I was giving that as an illustration, but that is for any fruit tree. Oh, really? Mo yeah. When there's a named variety of fruit tree, yes. it is generally propagated by grafting, which means cloning, instead of by to seed. Produce to produce the same thing. Yeah. Grafting is the manipulated healing of plant wounds. And we'll see that as I go through this. Cambium contact is one thing that is important with grafting. Your goal is to line up. Yes, a question? That's a that's a good question. He's wondering how do you how do you get rootstock? How does the nursery get rootstock that it sells you? Is that what you're saying? 
there are several different ways they do it. Um, for example, one way is they'll cut a tree, cut a rootstock tree off the ground, and then it'll send up a bunch of shoots, and they'll pile dirt around those shoots, and those shoots will root, and then they can cut them, cut them each off, and each one of those is a rootstock. And there, there are some other ways, but it's that kind of thing. Yeah, one more question. Can you just uh, stick like just cut a piece off the Mm -hmm. you're, you're wondering if you can just take a clipping from a tree and stick it in the ground and root it without grafting? Oh, okay. That can be done. Um, whatever, whatever tree you take the cutting from will determine the roots you get. Like, yeah, yeah, you could take, if you had a tree that was purely rootstock that had never been grafted, and you were able to root cuttings from that tree, that would be more rootstock as well. Yeah. Um, I'll mention cambium contact. Cambium layer is this layer in a tree, right here, right along the edge, not the bark, but right along here. That's the area of a tree or a twig that's called a cambium layer. And I'm going to get into grafting in a little more detail here. I'll, I'll walk you through it step by step. But that's one principle you want to keep in mind is when you're grafting, you want to line up the edges of the of the stock of the twigs. That's more important than lining up the center. Species to species, um, I already mentioned that. That's just talking about how you don't want to graft an apple tree to an oak tree. You want to graft an apple to an apple in general. And plant patent rights. I'll I'll mention this. There are certain varieties of trees that people have worked hard to to develop and they're protected by a patent for usually about 20 years, which means they have gotten a patent on their tree and it's illegal to propagate it for the period for usually about 20 years so that they can make some money off the tree they developed. So many trees aren't patented. You can graft and propagate them as much as you want, but you'll want to keep an eye out for that so you don't, so you don't start propagating plants that are illegal to propagate. We can find a list for that on the internet somewhere. Usually, usually in a nursery catalog, if it's patented, they'll say this is patented. And usually they'll say, but you can look it up online and find it pretty quickly that way too. And when you graft, you'll want to have labels ready so you can label your trees and know what, they're, what you're grafting. So we'll look at the practice of grafting. First, I'll give you a list of what you need, and then I'll go through some pictures that will show you um, exactly how the grafting process works. What you'll need, whoops, can you go backwards a little bit? What you'll need, rootstock, you'll need your rootstocks when you're getting ready to graft. You'll need scion wood. Scion wood is cuttings from the tree you would like to propagate. So if you're wanting to propagate a red delicious apple, you'll need an apple rootstock, and you'll need cuttings from a red delicious tree. You'll also need a knife. They have grafting knives available that you can purchase, but some people just use a utility knife, a, a box cutter blade, and that, that works well for some people as well. You'll need tape to bind your graft union, and I use packing tape. Um, it works for me. Many people don't use that, but I use packing tape. 
Um, you'll want a moist substrate if you're grafting bare root root stock, and then you'll need something to label your grafts. Now I'm going to look at three different types of grafting here. The first two grafts, whip and tongue grafting and bark grafting, are both done in spring. And that's fairly important that you do it at the right time of year, because if you try to carry these out at other times of year, my guess is that you won't have, any, you won't have very much success. So the first two, whip and tongue grafting and bark grafting are done in spring, and chip budding, which is the last method we'll look at, is done in fall. I also would recommend that you focus on one of these grafting methods, because it can, it can be hard to be inundated with all this information all at once. So I'll just give a brief description of what each of these is used for. Whip and tongue grafting is the type of grafting you all will want to use. If you plan to go home and graft, when you get home, if you want to go home and graft this spring, I would suggest you focus on the whip and tongue method. That's, that's something that you could accomplish by this spring. You could go home and get the supplies and graft this spring. Bark grafting is something that you will want to use if you have trees that are already established, already growing in the ground and you want to transfer or convert them to a different variety. So maybe you have an apple tree that doesn't produce very good apples, maybe it produces little tiny apples and you want to turn it into a different type of apple tree, that's what you'll use bark grafting for. Yes? We've done some just on some of our old, big, old apple trees, just grafting on a branch onto a branch. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you had a large apple tree and instead of grafting the whole tree over, you grafted one branch over to a different variety. Okay. Yes. Would I be able to go out and just buy rootstock today, or is it a special time, a special time of the year to buy it? I believe you could order it right now, like when you go home, mm -hmm. but they might not ship it until spring, because usually grafting is done in spring. So you could place your order now, but they would probably wait until spring to ship it. Was there one more question back there, or did I? We have an apple tree that is, we live in Lexington, Virginia, and we have an apple tree that um, doesn't produce very many apples and worms in it. It's a zucchini, maybe all of these, and it's this big. So you have a little, a tree that produces little apples that gets worms. Mm. You might be able to try you might be able to try grafting it to a different variety, but I don't know if that would solve the worm problem. Because there might be some apples that are more resistant to worms, but I don't think there are any that are going to be immune. And then so chip budding, that's the last type of grafting I have here on the screen. That that method of grafting is one of the methods that is commonly used for mass production of fruit trees. It's probably not the first one you're going to want to try if, you have, if, if, if you've never grafted before, but it, it'll be good information to have. Yes? I had a question actually on rootstock. Okay, rootstock. Do you have a rootstock that you like? 
for like apples or a specific yeah. fruit? Okay, apples. M111 is one of my favorite for apples. It's, it goes under several names, but one of the most common is M.111. And that's a, that's a good basic apple tree. It produces an, an apple tree that's about 80% of standard, so it's uh, semi-dwarf. So whip and tongue grafting. Um, again, this is the kind of graft that you all might want to go home and do this spring. It's one of the most common and one of the, one of the most common ones to do at home. And so if, if that's what you're wanting to do, you can focus on this one. And I want you all to look at this picture with me pretty closely because I'll go through the steps as to how we get here. But this is nearly the end of the grafting process. And right there you can see what it will look like at the end. So. As we walk through these steps, you can know what the end goal is. So to get to that point, we want to collect scion wood in, win in late winter. And I have, I have the picture there, which can give you a good idea of what kind of scion wood you're looking for. When you go to collect scion wood, which just to review, scion wood is cuttings from the tree you want to propagate. So if you want to propagate a yellow delicious, you would get clippings from a yellow delicious tree. Oh well, I have some pictures here and you're looking for fresh growth from the previous season that is fairly straight and healthy looking. You don't want old, you don't want gnarled stuff like I have in the top and you don't want wood that's been around several years that's not fresh new growth as I have on the bottom. You're looking for fresh, straight growth, and you'll want to clip that and put it in a moist paper towel, not a soggy paper towel, but a moist paper towel in a plastic bag in the fridge. So if you were going to graft this spring, you would want to go home and take your clippings from the tree you want to propagate and wrap them in moist paper towel put them in the fridge because it's dormant season right now, so now is when you would go get your cuttings, like as soon as you get home. This is also when you would order your rootstock. You could go home and order your rootstock and expect it to arrive in spring. That's when you'll graft. Um, they may ship it earlier, but you'll want to graft in spring. If they do ship it earlier, I recommend that you store it in the refrigerator with something moist around the roots until spring when you're ready to graft. And then I already listed some of these earlier, but just for those of you who want to go home and get rootstock, these are some sources I recommend for buying rootstock. Yes? Uh, for what is the benefit sort of of doing it in the spring or waiting So you're wondering why would you wait until spring to do it? Yeah, what is the benefit? Why is it needed to do that? Okay. Um, honestly, some people do do it in winter. I have had good success doing it in spring, and that's what I'm recommending. But there are some people who do it in winter, and I think they have to do some things to to help the grafting process heal. 
like put, put the graft in a warm spot after they grafted, or I think they have to do some things like that if you graft in winter. I just recommend you do it in spring. So let's imagine that spring has arrived. To start grafting, we'll want to make a clean beveled cut on our rootstock about six inches above, from the root, above the roots. And you can see that cut there that I've made. Next, we'll want to select a piece of our scion wood, which our scion wood is our cuttings. Um, we'll want to select a piece of our scion wood that is the same diameter as a rootstock. So hopefully we will have taken scion wood that's different sizes. We'll have some thicker stuff and some thinner stuff. And we're going to try to match the size of our cutting to the size of our rootstock. The next thing is to make a beveled cut on the scion that will match the beveled cut on the rootstock. And obviously you want the buds pointing up on the scion. Just make sure it's right side up. Now I'm cutting a notch in both the scion and the rootstock. And the next slide will explain why I cut this notch. And now we're actually, this is back to the original slide, um, but that explains why I cut the notch. The two pieces of wood, instead of just being flat, instead of the two angled cuts just being flat against each other, those two little notches I cut will lock together and basically make the graft hold itself together in a way. And I have here a little sample graft. It's small and I'm taking the tape off so you can see it so it can fall apart if you, if you aren't careful but it shouldn't be too hard to put back together. And you know there are a lot of people here but I'll, I will go ahead and pass it out and hopefully it'll get around. You can see how that fits together like that. And I'll just pass it. Yep. Feel free to take it apart and put it back together. And you can see how it fits. But this, what I'm passing out is, is a version of this. So if, you don't, if it doesn't get to you, you've got a pretty good idea on the screen of what I'm passing out. Now this is very important. You'll, you will have grafted it and it, it'll fit quite nicely, usually. But you'll want to seal that graft with tape. And when I do it, I use, I use packing tape. There are various other kinds of tapes that can be used. But I use, I use packing tape. And I'll usually just get a piece like this and tear it tear it down the middle so it's not quite so wide. And now I've got two pieces. Yes? So the scion wood, how, how big is it? Should you got just a little piece above the rootstock? Yeah, actually I had a longer piece. Usually you can often graft with a longer piece to make it easier to make the graft. But then once you've made the graft, you'll want to cut it off so there's only about two inches of wood left above the graft. Okay. So this, this might have been you know, eight or nine inches long to begin with. But once I was finished, I chopped it off right there. You can see there's, it's kind of hard to see, but there's a bud right here. There's a bud right there, and I cut it off just above that bud so, so that as this graft takes, the growth can come out right there. So with the tape, I sealed, I sealed both the graft and the top of the scion, just trying to seal off any places where the the wood could dry out any exposed cuts.
Don't you want the top as well? You do. The bud is right here. So this will grow. I have the tape above it right here. Yeah, the, the growth will come out of the side right here. And at this point, you can plant your graft outside. Um, if you graft in the spring and wait till after your last frost date, you can go ahead and plant your graft outside in the ground and make sure you label your graft. If it's if it's after your last frost date, if it's not going to freeze hard, I wouldn't recommend doing it if it's still in winter time. But if you've done it after your last frost date, you could probably put it in the ground at that point. Yes, one more question. So the other end of the side of the wood, you, you sealed it with packing tape. You just sealed it off, like sealed it off. The other end, the part that I took off. Yeah, I, I put a little bit of tape on that and just sealed it off so it couldn't the moisture couldn't escape, dry out. Yes? Is, there, is it important for the tape to be clear where it can use black electrical tape or something like that? I think black electrical tape would work fine. I've I've used packing tape, but I think the black tape would work fine too. Black yes. electrical tape works great too, but if you don't tape it off at the right time, it actually girdles the tree and it not kills the best part. Okay. And the other thing is, if you use paraffinic tape, you can wrap the whole thing, even the buds, and the buds will go right out through the paraffinic tape. Okay. The tape will fall off. And you don't have to worry about the what kind of tape was that? Paraffinic. That's a really good point um, that I forgot to mention. He was saying that if you if you use just regular tape, like packing tape, or um, sounds like black black electrical tape you'll have to come along and slit the grafting tape um, I guess I did mention it there you'll have to come along and slit the grafting tape halfway through the summer so that as the tree grows bigger it doesn't cut off the flow of, of sap so throughout the summer you'll want to remove any growth from the rootstock these are some grafts that I did um, and you'll want to for example it'll often send shoots up from below the graft and you'll want to cut all those off and just make sure that your graft grows straight up from the scion. Okay, now I'm going to move on to bark grafting. This, this is the form of grafting that you'll want to use if you have an established tree that you want to convert to a different variety. And we already saw this slide, but it's similar. You'll want to collect your scion wood during the winter time, which would be now or, or late winter. And you can collect the same kind of scion wood you would um, for the whip and tongue. And once spring arrives, again, this, this grafting is done in spring. Once spring arrives, select a rootstock and cut it off one to three feet above the ground. You can see that it's spring, not only spring, but the leaves are starting to come out. And that's, that's a good thing. With this kind of grafting, you'll want to wait till the leaves are starting to come out. Even if the leaves have come out quite a bit, it's, it should still be all right to go ahead and use this method. 
So you'll select a rootstock, cut it off one to three feet above the ground, and you can see this, you can see these limbs right here. I could have cut this tree off down here, but when a tree is already established in the ground, it can be quite a shock to cut it off at ground level, cut everything off. So if your tree is more than an inch in diameter, it's desirable to leave a couple branches below the graft. So I'm, I'm grafting it right here, but I've left, actually I believe I took one of those branches off. I left one branch below the graft. That way the roots still have some leaves to feed them throughout the summer and it reduces the shock. You'll actually take those branch, you'll actually take all those branches off in the fall. But just this first year you can leave those. What if you have an old, old apple tree that's really big? Um, graft, you're wondering about grafting a really big apple tree. You can graft, from what I've seen, you can graft larger trees, but it's often better to graft each branch individually instead of cut the whole thing off. Like, like if the trunk comes up and it has maybe four big branches coming off, you can cut each of the big branches off and put a graft on each branch instead of cutting the whole, the whole trunk off. So they aren't a very good variety right now, is that what Oh, they used to be good. Huh. Okay, so you're going to cut the rootstock off. And then we'll make two vertical, vertical cuts through the rootstock bark. And you might remember this slide. That explains why we're wanting to make two vertical cuts. Because we want to make this cut and this cut. I'm making the two vertical cuts, just pushing the grafting knife into the bark. Only cutting through the bark, not trying to cut into the wood. And that's why we're making the two vertical cuts. So is the cambium there on the bark, or is it on the inside of the main? Whoops. You're wondering if the cambium is attached to the bark or to the... Right. You know, I'm not 100% sure. I know it's, it's somewhere right on the edge there, but I'm actually not sure if, it, if when you pull the bark back, if it sticks to the bark or sticks to the wood. So now we're going to prepare the... Scion, and you can see I'm making a beveled cut, just like I did for the whip and tongue graft. Now this is the other side of the scion. The beveled cut that I had in the last picture is the opposite side of this wood. So now I'm scraping some bark off on this side of the scion and bas basically making a little wedge with the, with the bottom end of the scion, and then I insert that little wedge under the bark. This gives you a good idea of um, how the graph looks at the end. You can see I've inserted the wedge under the bark there. Yes, a question. So do you put the part that you make the full slanted cut against the tree or against the bark? Good question. Um, the full beveled cut is against the wood on the inside against the tree. That's why the graft is tilted out slightly. And again, you'll want to wrap the graft tightly and seal off any exposed edges. Have you made a little cut on the outside of the house? On the outside, yeah, I, I did scrape off the bark, you know, right under that flap. I did scrape it off there as well. 
So I make a full beveled cut on one side, and then on the other side, I scrape the bark off to expose some wood. And again, we'll seal all the exposed cut on both the rootstock and the scion. And that is what it will look like when it's finished. Go back one. And then this is the same graft a few months later. Um, you can see it's partly a change from winter to summer. It looks really pretty now because it's winter time. Um, but here's the nurse branch that I talked about, which gives the rootstock a little more, um, uh, it lessens the shock. I have it labeled down here. And at this point, you'll want to slit the tape. You can see I slit the tape, which is what you mentioned, so it doesn't girdle the, so it doesn't girdle the developing graft. And this is very important. If you just leave a graft like this, these suckers get to be very bad and they'll, they'll kill the graft usually. They'll overtake the graft. And so all these shoots, which are growing from down here, you have to break them off or else they'll grow faster than the graft and overtake it. So you can see I'm breaking off the suckers that are growing from the rootstock. And I already mentioned the tape slitting. This last form of grafting is chip bud grafting and I'll try to go through this one a little bit more quickly. It's probably not one that you will want to go home. I mean, it's, it's very easy to do. Um, but it's probably not the first one you'll learn on. Yes, a question? On that last thing, that nurse branch, do you eventually cut it off? Yeah. Let's see here. Yeah. I grafted this, this tree in the spring. So now that it's winter time, it's grown all summer, I could go and cut that off any time now. Just curious, what kind of tree is that? It's a persimmon. And so here's the chip bud, and you can look again at the picture, because that'll give you a good idea as to how this works. Um, the scion for this type of graft is, is this little bud right here. That's all for the scion. So the whole tree, this is all rootstock, all this up in here. The, the whole tree will grow from that one little bud. And I'll walk you through the steps real quickly. Go a little bit faster on these. Um, in late summer, this is in late summer, that's the big difference about this chip budding. It's in late summer instead of spring. And so in late summer you'll cut a piece of scion wood, straight piece of scion wood from the current season's growth. You'll select a rootstock and make a little notch four to six inches above the ground level. Now this is the scion wood. I'm cutting out a bud on the scion wood that will fit the notch I made on the rootstock. Now I am putting that bud that I cut out into the rootstock and wrapping it tightly with tape. And then I'll seal it completely with tape, except I'll leave the bud peeking out so that I don't risk damaging the bud. During the winter time, you can remove the tape and you can see the bud there. This is actually the same one that was in the pictures earlier. Um, you can see the bud is now united with the rootstock. It's grown together into one piece of wood. 
and in spring, you cut off everything above that bud. So as this tree starts to grow in spring, instead of putting its growth up into the top of the tree, it's going to force it to come out this bud, and the whole tree will grow from that one bud. And throughout the summer, similar as the other grafting, you'll want to remove all growth except the shoot that grows from that one bud that you grafted in. Your entire tree will grow from this one bud. So let me give you a simple plan to follow um, for those of you who want to go home and graft this spring. These three, actually it's five, steps will make it easy for you to go home and be grafting in March or April, whenever it is this spring. When you go home, you'll want to collect scion wood from a tree that you like. Maybe your neighbor has a really good Macintosh apple and it produces well and it's disease resistant. Um, so you'll go get clippings from his tree and wrap them in moist paper towel and put them in the fridge in a plastic bag. So that'll make sure they stay dormant throughout the rest of this winter. And you'll also want to order your rootstock. So now you have your scion in the fridge and your rootstocks theoretically in the mail. Um, and once spring arrives, which I, I consider spring to be when the buds on the native trees, like the native apple trees, if you're grafting apples, are just starting to swell. You don't want to wait till there's greenery, really, but just as the, you look out the window and you see the first, first sign of bloom or green, that's, that's a good time to take your rootstock and scions out of the refrigerator and get to grafting. Throughout the summer, you'll want to keep all the suckers pruned off the graft um, because anything that grows below the graft is going to take energy from your scion and plant your tree the next winter. So with the Lord's blessing, you could graft a tree this spring and have a tree ready to plant a year from now. So by the next agriculture conference, you could have a tree ready to go in the ground. And this is probably the fastest way for you to get a tree if you don't already have one established that you want to graft, is to collect scionwood when you get home, order rootstock when you get home, then this spring graft and take care of them throughout the summer, and then plant your tree next winter at this time. You can plant it out in the ground, even in your garden. Just save a little piece of your garden and plant it there for this winter. And then next winter, you can dig it up and plant it in its permanent location. You could stick it in its permanent location if you wanted to do that. Uh, two more questions, yeah. Mm -hmm. You will plant it right away. Yeah, you'll plant it out out in the ground somewhere. If it's if it is past the last frost date, oh, I see. Maybe I didn't make that clear. You'll plant the graft as soon as you graft it, and then the next winter, if you haven't already put it in its original in its final spot, you can dig it up and plant it in your orchard. Oh, that's cool. So that, that's maybe a little bit confusing. Can you keep it in sawdust or something, uh, wet sawdust or some wet medium? In the winter you can. If it's not growing, if it's just dormant, yeah, that works well. I'm really new to this um, 
let me show you let me show you what a rootstock would look like. Um, this is a representative picture of what a rootstock would look like. It'd just be a little tree with roots, and you'd cut all this off when you graft it, all that top. They'll probably send it in a, in a box with plastic around it and some moist sawdust or some moist shredded paper around the roots, just so the roots don't dry out. If, if, they, if you receive it before it's time to graft, you'll probably want to put it in the refrigerator with something moist around the roots. You don't want the roots to dry out. And the refrigerator will keep it dormant. And then when spring comes, you can graft it and plant it outside in the ground. Okay. Yes. Um, that would depend on what you want, because if you want a pear rootstock, you'd have to choose a pear. Um, yeah, or if you want, now there are many different types of pear rootstocks, and there are many different types of apples. And I'd be happy to give you my recommendations, but mine would be only with my, the experience that I have and the area that I live, so. What's that? Yes, I need to get to the pruning. <laughs> My experience, extension service is a good resource to tell you what rootstocks do best on your soil, your climate. Uh, you don't necessarily want to take What's that? Maybe some look at all their questions. Don't know you need to get in Okay. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. Let me, let me get to the pruning. It's a good point. Let me get to the pruning, and we can ask questions afterward. So we'll talk about the principles of pruning and the practice of pruning. Principles, the main principles of pruning are air circulation, light penetration, fruit bearing potential, and then I'll talk a little bit about the time of year that you'll want to do this. Air circulation and light penetration. This is one of the major concerns when you're pruning. A tree that is all twiggy and full of excessive branches gets more diseases and doesn't produce nearly as healthy fruit, probably not nearly as much fruit. It's just all around unhealthy environment for a fruit tree. So one of the first principles you're looking at when you come to a fruit tree is open it up. Just o open the tree up. Um, Cut, cut whatever you need to cut to, to open the tree up. And there are some guidelines for what you want to cut. And one of those would be fruit bearing potential. You'll want to cut out branches that, for example, um, I'll start with the bottom point there, strength, strength to hold fruit. If you have a branch, just, just picture your tree weighted down with fruit. If you have a tree like this, that's weighted down with fruit, you can kind of picture what would happen to a tree like this weighted down with fruit. It would, it would most likely split right here under all that weight. 
Um, so you're wanting to look for branches that come out at a nice angle, like the one on the left. Branches that come out at a sloping angle, like this, rather than branches that shoot straight up. And you're also looking for surface area. You want sufficient surface area, like that tree on the left has a lot more surface area to produce fruit than that tree on the right does. So you cut actually the one that shoots straight up. Yeah, because if you picture hanging a five-gallon bucket of dirt on this branch, it's likely to snap and split right down the middle of the tree once it gets all that weight. Because the fruit can be a lot of weight once it, gets, once it gets on the tree. And so those are some guidelines you'll want to, that, that can guide you as you choose what to cut out to open up the tree. So you're wanting to open up the tree so that the light and breeze, so the light can shine in, the breeze can blow through, and you're wanting to make it so that it will have plenty of surface area to fruit and so that it will hold a lot, um, hold the fruit well. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And let me, let me, I need, I just realized I need to get moving here a little bit. Um, time of year, late winter is when I recommend you do pruning for this part of the country. All up and down the east, I recommend late winter. Out west, they have some disease issues and you might want to look at what the extension service says. And for the practice, if you don't mind holding this tree up, I'm just going to prune a tree here and give you some of the ideas and give you, so you can see some of the things I look for. When I look, when I look at a tree like this, the first thing I see wrong with it is this. Obviously, you don't, want a, you don't want your tree to mature with that growing on the side, so I'll start with that, taking that off. Um, and this is another thing, anything dead, I'm just clearing out, starting big. And part of the reason I want to start big is, for example, this limb right here. This limb, I don't want to start small. I don't want to prune all this little stuff because I might come, you know, half hour through the pruning process, I might decide, hey, I, I want to take that whole limb out. And I'm going to take this limb out because it just opens up the tree more. It gives it more circulation. Again, right here, you can see this, this limb in the middle. It's kind of congesting things. If I take it out, you can see it opens up the tree even more. Um, these are nice branches because they come off at a, at a decent angle like that. And up here, I'm going to cut this off. What I'll do, I'll cut it right here. And what I'm trying to do is leave this shoot, this shoot, growing out at a sloping angle like that as opposed to leaving this shoot growing up and in. So I'll take that off there. So you don't want that tree tall? What's that? You do, but you generally don't want it just going like that. You want it to be going like this more. And I've got to finish up here. So what I'll do is I'm going to take off some of these lower branches because as these upper branches grow bigger and bigger, they're going to shade these lower ones, and the lower ones are going to become less and less healthy. So I'll just take these out. And similar, similarly with this one, this one would be shaded by these other branches as they get bigger. So I'll take that out. Obviously, this is going to need to come out. That's dead. Um, take this one out. It's going to be shaded by those above it. 
So I, I hope this is giving you a fairly good idea. We're looking for a nice, for a spreading shape like that. And I'm trying to just free up congestion. These two branches are going almost the exact same angle. So I'll take one of them out. And that gives a fairly nicely pruned tree as it grows. It'll continue to branch out like that. And each year you can do this during the winter. There are some diseases that can spread from tree to tree. Yeah, that, that is a good idea to sterilize them between, between trees, especially if you're dealing with, with certain diseases. Oh, with what? Um, Lysol, I believe I've heard some people use Lysol. Sometimes I'll use a flame, sterilize them by a temperature. And you know, is it all right if I go ahead and have prayer and close so people can leave if they want and then I'll answer more questions? Okay. Dear Lord, thank you for all these people who are interested in trees and please give us wisdom as we work with them. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.